Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, would you agree that we live in a day and age where it is very unpopular to talk about sin? We, we, we live that. I mean, it, it's so unpopular. We don't want to talk about sin or transgressions or iniquity. And as a matter of fact, not many churches or pastors like to talk about this. I understand. I understand. Where you have a plethora of churches that you can fellowship, the one place you need to be at is the one that tells the truth. The one that teaches the word of God. You've heard me say this time and time again, that expository Bible teaching, okay, is, is, has an advantage and disadvantage. The advantage is we get the whole counsel of God and you go, amen. But the disadvantage is you get the whole counsel of God. And that's one of those places where we talk about sin and we talk about confession and we talk about these things. And what we have to do right now is we have to let the Lord tonight talk and, and speak to us, and, and there might be an area in your life that you're struggling with in sin. And here's what I love about God. Every one of you, God brought here tonight. You're like, no, he didn't. My mom did. No, you, God brought you here, and he has a, and he has a word for you. Now, here, here's your challenge. You could listen, and you could accept what God has for us, or we could just kind of go, oh, okay, well, no, that wasn't for me. Now it's somebody else. Or as I speak about sin and I talk about transgressions and I talk about iniquity, you're nudging your neighbor. That's for you. That was, that was a good thing. Did you listen to that? No, this is for us. This is for us. You see, the Bible, the Word of God tells us that sin is deceitful. Sin is deceitful. And with its deception, listen to me, it can actually harden us. It can actually harden us. But every once in a while, and hopefully sooner than that, God breaks in on our lives and helps us recognize the gravity of our sin. That's the attitude that David has in this psalm. God has caused David to once again be sensitive to the spiritual realities and to do something we rarely ever do. You go, what's that? Confess his sin openly. That's what David does. Confess his sin openly and honestly to the Lord. That's where it is. This is David. Now, we have a lot to cover, so I want to jump in right away. Notice with me the beginning of this psalm. Let's not miss it. It says, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when? When Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now, let me give you some background, okay? This is some background on David. You may or may not know the story depending on your upbringing. What I need to remember, there are a lot of people who don't have or have not heard the story of David and Bathsheba or David and Goliath or whatever it might be and a lot of them are learning it for the first time but let me just kind of let me kind of let you know what's going on David the greatest of Israel's king fell into serious sin 
Now, when I say fell, I mean, I want you to think about this because we often think, well, I fell into sin. I was walking and I tripped and there I was. No, no, no. We walk into sin. We run into sin. Rarely do we fall. David didn't fall into sin. He actually walked, ran into sin. And he recognized his need to plead with God for forgiveness. This confession was inspired by David's the sins of adultery, his deception. Now listen, if, it, if that wasn't enough, even murder in this relationship with Bathsheba. David's reasons for repentance were actually found in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. Okay, well what happened? Well there's David, he should have went out were the kings, okay, when they had war, they had, they had war in the fall, and then when it got cold, they would stop fighting, and then they would resume the war in the spring. David goes, nah, I'm not going to go. I think I'm going to chill at home. David walks out into his balcony. He looks down, and he sees, ba-va-va-voom. It's Bathsheba, and she's taking a bath. That's why she's called Bathsheba. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just seeing if you're paying attention. But she's taking a bath, right? Now, I know when I heard the story before, I often wondered, how does that happen? If you go to Israel and you go to the city of David, it's built on a hill. And if you go up, everything is downhill. You can see for miles down. And so it wouldn't be that hard for him to look over his balcony being in the king's palace and see all the houses in the backyards and everything. It's really easy. And so what does David do? David should have been out with his men. David should have been leading. What's he doing? He's looking at her, and he says, wow, wow, and he tells the servants, who's that? And it, and it says, that's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. So right there, she should have been like, oh, 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 ah, but he doesn't, does he? David looks, he goes, huh, huh, hold on, huh. Get her to, bring her to me. Bring her to me. I don't have time to get into the whole story, but we've studied 2 Samuel. And Bathsheba actually had the right to say, no, Mr. King, I'm married. I cannot do this. Because we think that David was king, that he should have just, he was like, I'm king. And he snaps and whoever, no, he... Biblically, through the law, she could have said, no, 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 no. Another thing about Bathsheba is she knew exactly where the king was. The front page news, the story on Facebook or Instagram said, king doesn't go to war at home. So I wonder if some part of her said, oh, I know when he's coming out. I don't know, but I know it takes two to tango. Next thing you know, she comes up to the palace. You know the story. David sleeps with her. David sleeps with her, and guess what? She becomes pregnant. She's going to have David's son. Well, how do you know? Because her husband's out fighting in the war. He's not home. Okay? So what does he do? David goes, um, um, I got an idea. Let's bring her husband home, and then um, then they could sleep together, and then it'll be like his kid, and nobody will ever know. Because back in that day, we don't have DNA tests, so it's okay. 
So nobody's going to go on Jerry Springer and say, that's my kid, that's not my kid. He's go, I got this worked out. This is good. So he brings Uriah home. But Uriah was, was more than a man. He's, he's just like, no, 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 no. How can I, I can't do this. I can't go sleep with my wife when my, when my, I just can't. And David's like, oh, no, my plan, my plan's falling apart. And so what he does, he gets Uriah drunk. And Uriah said, no, 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 I still can't sleep with my wife. I'm going to sleep outside. You know what David does? David sends him to the front. And he tells the general, when you guys retreat, leave Uriah there. What is that called? Murder. That's murder. That's murder. So what happens? Bathsheba, guess what? We have bad news. Your husband Uriah is killed. So David goes, oh, really? Well, come live with me at the palace then. You don't have a husband. I like you. You like me. You guys know the story, okay? So David David is just trying to, he, he, he takes her in as a wife. He takes her in as a wife. He thinks, it's all done. So I'm good. I'm good. The problem is, is that, I don't know, David was a man after God's own heart, yet he failed to see where God was. But God was there. So what does God do? He sends Nathan the prophet. He sends Nathan the prophet, and he says, David, I got a story to tell you. And David's about, you know, he's, okay, what's going on? David tells a story. David, um, I want to tell you a story about a rich man stealing a poor man's lamb. You guys know the story. Outrage, David says, the rich man deserves to die. And at a moment of truth, here's what happened. Nathan the prophet looks at David and says, you're the man. You're the man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how David felt at that moment? You can imagine, because I think every one of us at some point in our lives has tried to cover up our sin. We've tried to hide it. We've tried to maneuver it, to manipulate it, whatever it might be. And now, Nathan knows God knows, I'm the man, I know, you're right, you're right. And then he says something very interesting that I find. He says, he explains to David, as a result of your sin, David's family will forever be embroiled in war, conflict, and scandal, and violence. Because of this, Dave, and the child, he's not going to survive. And as a matter of fact, David, the king, would be humiliated in the presence of the people. And these predictions came true. These predictions came true the rest of David's life. The rest of David's life was spent in turbulence, family controversies, and even, you guys recall, a full-fledged rebellion from his own son, Absalom. But I love David, and I love his heart. Because he finds forgiveness in the mercy of God's loving arms. But one of the things that jumped out when I was studying and I knew the story and I knew is although David finds mercy, we must always remember even when we're forgiven, sometimes there's lasting consequences to our sin. 
You see, David was a man after God's own heart and was blessed and forgiven. But notice, he lived with the consequences of his sin the rest of his life. I think that's important. As we go through our text, remember, remember, guys, remember that there are consequences to sin. And although God is loving and wonderful and says, please, yes, I forgive you. I died on the cross for all your sins, your past, your present, your future sins. There are still consequences that we have to live with each and every day. But what I love, what I love about David in this psalm is David confesses his sin to God. And here's what I love. He holds nothing back. He holds nothing back. And here's what I want you to see. If you're taking note, David doesn't blame anyone for his errors. And he makes no attempt to excuse his actions. When we look at Psalm 51, I think I might have, come on church, written it a little different. You see, so many times... When we fall, when we fail, we tend to blame other people. Well, it's not my fault. I was was put in this circumstance. Well, it's not my fault. Well, if the girls wouldn't be dressing so scandalous, or if the drugs weren't so readily available, and we have a tendency to do that, don't we? But I'll tell you another thing we tend to do that I love that David doesn't do. David doesn't just partially confess. Partially confess. He doesn't just kind of go, yeah, yeah, you know, just um, uh, just enough to get off the hook, okay? David realizes that there's no way out, and he comes, he fully comes clean to the Lord. That's what he does. As I was studying this, guys, I was trying to picture how I would maybe deal with this versus how David is dealing with this. And I know there are times in my life that I blame my sin on somebody else. Well, Lord, and, 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 and as a matter of fact, we've done that all our life. Well, the woman you gave me, the woman you gave me, isn't that what Adam said? The woman you gave, I'm blaming her. You know what, Adam, you know what Eve did? I'm blaming the snake. And the snake says, I don't have anybody to blame. But the thing that really got me was partially confess. Partially confess. You ever go to your husband and wife and say you're sorry? And ask for forgiveness? But you don't really confess what you're sorry and asking for forgiveness for? So with that, as our intro, let's jump into our study. Psalm 51, look with me, verses 1 and 2. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Wow. Wow. This is, David's busted. David can't be trusted. Here he is, guys. He's caught. We know how David feels. There are times in our lives when we sin. 
There are times in our lives when we have an ugly, awful attitude. We have times in our lives when we treat strangers better than our own family. We are sin. Oh. What do we do when we get caught? What do we do when, we're, when it's brought to light? What do we do? David says, have mercy on me. The very thing we first, the very first thing we notice, guys, in this text is when convicted by sin is David pleads for forgiveness and cleansing. You got to catch that. Because the very first thing we might do is try to excuse what we've done. Try to make an excuse. Well, that's who I am. Well, you don't understand. Uh, when I was a baby, my parents pinned my diapers too tight. That's what made me the way I am. That's why I did what I did. And we try to make excuses. But be honest, we should just come like this and go, God, I'm so sorry. You guys know this because the Holy Spirit dwells in you and begins to knock and says, hey, 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 that, a- hey, that attitude, hey, that what you did now, hey, that thought, hey, that action, it's a sin. David says, no, 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 I'm going to call on the mercy of God, the mercy I love the Hebrew rendering of this word. It's chanan, C-H-A-N-A-N, which literally rendered to show favor, to show favor. Often appears in Lament of the Psalms when David seeks favor or compassion. It's like, oh, show favor on me. Have mercy. Have mercy. David cries out for the mercies of God. Can I get an amen? But, but I want you to see what he doesn't do. I want you to see something sometimes we do that he doesn't do. You go, what's that? Notice, he doesn't rely on the goodness of his past. Well, Lord, 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 didn't, didn't I? Hey, it's only Bathsheba. I mean, come on. No, 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 Dave, you murdered somebody. What? I know, okay, okay. But but I've been good up until now. I gave money to the church. I served. I did this. I did that. I did this. He doesn't, he's not, he's not asking, that's not the basis of, of what we've done. He doesn't rely on the goodness of his present. When it comes to sin, church, we must fall on the mercy of God. We must fall on the mercy of God. David says, have mercy, guys. Have mercy. But he says, now, have mercy according to my good standing with you, God, according to my denominational affiliation, according to my heritage, according to my grandpappy was a, was a pastor. No, 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 no. He says, according to your loving kindness, according to your loving kindness, have mercy. Remember that word loving kindness? We talked about it last week. It means that great, powerful, amazing love from God, perfect love. He says, have mercy according to your amazing 
sacrificial love. I don't want God, I, mercy based on, my, on me and my good looks. On how well, well, you're the pastor. You know, you, you, you don't sin. You kind of float around the church. And, oh, that's not true. Call upon the Lord according to your loving. Have mercy according to, oh, but you've got an abundance of mercy. What a great prayer in time of need, right? To have sha'an, to show favor towards me according to your, your love for me. Your love for me. That amazing, wonderful, sacrificial, unconditional love of God. That's what David writes. According to that, you know that commercial at late, late at night. But wait, there's more, right? This is the, there's more, right? Because look, it says, according to the multitude of what? Of your tender mercies. It's not just one. It's not just one. When we sing, your love endures forever, your mercy endures forever, we don't understand the magnitude of that and how merciful God is. If someone were to leave this earth without being saved, it's not because God didn't try everything and pour out his mercy and his loving kindness on that life. It's not. You know how I know? The Bible tells me, for God so loved the world that he bankrupted heaven. He sent his only begotten son Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God continues to pour his mercy and his grace out on people and his mercy and his grace and his mercy and his grace. And many people even today are shaking their fist at God. And they will spend eternity without him. But it's not because of God's empty mercy because he doesn't have it. He has what? a multitude, a multitude of your tender mercies. And David says this, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is power pack, guys. This one is just, this one blew my mind. And I'll tell you why. Because being human and I sin, the one thing I want to do is I want to be forgiven. God, forgive me for this, this. You know what? But David goes deeper. David could have easily wrote a psalm in two verses. Lord, forgive me for sin, my sin with Bathsheba and the murdering of her, son, uh, her husband. Amen. But he doesn't. There's something deeper. What does he say? Guys, jot this down. Look what it is. Underline it. Highlight it. He says, first and foremost, blot out my transgressions. Blot out my transgressions. The word blot there, guys, means to wipe out, obliterate, or exterminate. But the way he uses it, it actually, it, it actually, it shows like God has a record of our transgressions. And he said, no, 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 wipe it out. Take, take that and, 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 and obliterate it, God. My transgressions. That's what he says. David says, blot my transgressions. But he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now, if you're taking note, three words actually jump off that page. Uh, no, transgression, iniquity, and sin. Do you see that? Why? Well, again, let's talk transgression. 
When we talk about transgression, it's actually another word. It's trespass. You ever know? Forgive me for my trespasses or my trespass. The transgression means here's the line. This is sin. And you don't know. It's a trespass. Oh, I'm caught. I was caught trespassing where I shouldn't be. This is a transgression. There are times in your life where you don't know it's sin. The word of God then begins to reveal that in your heart. And you go, Ah, I didn't know it was sin. I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. I didn't know that was sin. I didn't know that was sin. I cry, okay, I didn't, oh, and you come back here. That's a transgression. You go, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. You know, the Bible says something about transgressions. You go, what's that? The Bible says that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. Keep that in mind. What I find interesting is the Word of God says, and Jesus was wounded. When I think of a wound, a wound is outside the body. It's on the outside. He was wounded. You've got a cut. You've got some blood. It's a wound. You're like, okay. Jesus, according to Isaiah, was beaten, whipped, and nailed to a cross. All the scars are on his body. He was, help me church, wounded. Isn't there a beautiful song, I think, that goes, the only scars are in heaven are the ones that Jesus has? We won't have any more scars in heaven, but those will remain. For he was wounded. Listen, for all eternity, Rosa, you're going to see the scars. You're going to see where the spear went into his heart. The scars of the... of. The nails in his hands and wrists and his feet. The scars of the cat of nine tails that beat and ripped the flesh off. He was wounded. But he also uses the word iniquity. You know what iniquity means? Iniquity is something very interesting. It doesn't mean transgression. It doesn't mean there's a line, oh, I didn't know I was doing this. You know what iniquity means? It's a little bit different. It means knowing where the line is and doing it anyway. That's iniquity. No thoughts about it. This is sin. I know this is sin. Hey, everybody, this is sin. I love me. I'm going to do it anyway. That's iniquity. That's iniquity. I'm going to do it. Right? That's what he's talking about. He's saying, my iniquity. But the Bible also says not only was he wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. You go, whoa, check that out. A bruise is different from a wound. How so? A bruise is on the inside. When you get bruised, it's on the inside. The body sends the blood to that area. It's still painful, but you say, oh, man, you got a bruise. How'd you get that bruise? Oh, I hit my arm or, you know, I stepped on a Lego, whatever it might be. I, ugh. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We know he was bruised for the fact that we go, hey, I want to do it. I'm going to do it, okay? 
And then he talks about sin. We know the word sin. The word sin is harmatia. It's missing the mark. Okay, it's an archery term. It's when we get an arrow and we go and we miss it completely. Okay, we're not even hitting the target. Like the target's right there and you're like, watch this, I can do it. And you just shoot it up in the air. What happened? I missed the mark. That's sin. That's sin. But the Hebrew rendering of this word is actually a, a chata. Chata. And it means an offense, habitual offender. That's what it means. That's what it means. Now, check it out. Isaiah 53.5 says this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We are healed. Now, before we read what David is writing, notice with me. When it comes to our transgression, that is our outward actions. It's outward. You with me? I did this. I, let's just say, oh, I don't know. It's just outward. It's just outward. I was going to use an illustration, but it's an outward action. This is how I sinned. When it comes to iniquities, that's inward. That's in our heart. That's in our heart. Why do you think the Lord says to guard, to take every thought captive? Because what our thoughts will move the 17 inches into our heart, then it can become iniquity. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. You see, affairs don't happen one morning. Somebody wakes up and goes, man, I'm in a happy marriage, but I think I'll have an affair. They've been thinking about it and playing over and going through the motions and they oh yeah well and here's the pros here's the cons here's what's that okay and next thing you know it goes from here to here and what happens is then we have the transgression well it's more than a transgression because we know it's wrong and we step out and do it anyway that's what he's talking about that's what he's talking about but i love the fact that the verse just told us that Jesus died on the cross. Listen to me, guys. It's a game changer. So that he can clean our outward and our inward person and that we could be healed. <laughs> you got to get that. You got to get that. That's different because here's the deal. Here's the deal. You ready? Because, because some people make Jesus Savior. Oh, well, if you don't want to go to hell, do this. Okay. And we, and we pray a prayer but we never make him Lord and we don't walk in the beautiful benefits in a relationship with God of being healed. Because we miss the fact that he was wounded for my outward actions and we miss the fact that he was, he was bruised for my inward thoughts. And he said he could heal me. He could heal me. The second thing you need to know about Isaiah 53, verse 5, is it's spiritual. It's spiritual. You see, a lot of people love that verse, and they'll take that verse out of context, and they'll use it as physical healing. By, the, by, by, by his stripes, I'm healed. They see the word healed, and they automatically think spirit. No, it's, it's spiritual. Oh, well, what happened to physical healing? Well, hold on. It's one verse higher. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 4. Check it out on the screen. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
Okay? So, the term, our griefs and sorrows, it relates to physical healing. It relates to physical healing. Jesus actually carried our sicknesses. What does that mean, Pastor? You have the right, the authority to pray for physical healing. And then leave the results to God. Here's how we get out of it. I'm going to use James because he's the front row. I'm going to pray for James, and uh, James is sick, and, and man, I need to pray. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray for James. I pray he gets healed, and I pray you heal his body if it's your will. That's my scapegoat. Because if James doesn't get healed, then it wasn't God's will. Well, it's not on me. Guys, pray the word of God. Lord Jesus, you said that he, you took his, and I pray, and I pray for healing first according to your word, heal James. Well, Ben, what if God doesn't? Then I leave the results to God. But I definitely want to pray the word of God. I want that authority. I want people, I want people to be healed. Not, not so we can walk around and, and throw coats at each other and, and knock people down. We don't need any of that show. What we need is bona fide people getting healed. So that God gets the glory, not the man. Beautiful text. Now, here's what's beautiful. David doesn't know that Jesus has come yet. He hasn't come. But he uses those same words, and it's almost like he's pointing to the cross. Oh, okay. My transgressions, outward. My iniquities, inward. And me just totally missing. Just my habitual sin. God, cleanse that. Cleanse that. Now, let's read it again. Back in our text, it's going gonna, it's gonna to read differently. Have mercy upon me, O Elohim, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Notice what he says. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Do you see the words there? Interesting words. What are they? Blot, wash, and what? And cleanse. I can wash the out part of me, but only Jesus has to wash the inward part of me. But here's what we need to learn. Here's what we learn. David had truly messed up. His outward actions, sex with Bathsheba, murder of Uriah, his inward sins of the heart. David saw her, bring her to me, covering up his sin. And now he cries out, blot, 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 obliterate, terminate. Wash me, cleanse me. But yet there's more. Look at verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. When I looked up that verse, guys, here's what it means. When David says, I've acknowledged that, he goes, I know. He's known. He knows and he's known. I know, I know, I know. Notice with me. Conviction precedes forgiveness. And it's a gift of God and a plea for it. Conviction always precedes forgiveness. That's when we feel it in our heart. Now, here's what I need to tell you. I need to tell you, and we need to be careful, okay? We need to be careful. What's that? That we don't get conviction and guilt. Um, we don't confuse them. The enemy of your soul will bring guilt on your life. 
well, you didn't do this, and you're a loser, and you're lousy, and this is what will happen, and you'll never make it, and what about that sin, and what about this sin? That's guilt. Jesus takes away the guilt. But conviction is something the Holy Spirit brings if we're sensitive to, to understand, and we're, uh, and we're sensitive to what? To actually hear, and then we can plead for forgiveness. Oh, 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 oh. Because conviction precedes forgiveness. And conviction, listen to me, jot this down if you're taking note, is a gift of God. It's a gift from God. Here's what would scare me more in your life, that there is no conviction in your life. Here's why. The closer we walk with God, the more we realize what what a sinner we are. It's not like, oh, I finally made it. Man, I've been walking with God. It's like, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh, I'm so undone. I can't believe this. And the closer I walk with God, the more I realize how I need to fall on his mercy. That's what he's, that's what he's talking That's the word of God. And that's what should be happening in our lives as believers. We're walking closer with God, and we're actually becoming humble Humbler, because we realize, wow, I'm not there. I love, I love the confession. I love the confession. Why? So many times we think we can get away with sin. But as believers... We know, everybody say no. Say it again. That sin is always before us, right? We know. We know. I was fresh out of high school. I was fresh out of high school. And... um, I was leaving work. And as I was leaving work, I wasn't paying attention, and I happened to dent one of my co-workers' cars next to me. Not a big dent, small dent. Made the turn a little bit too quick. Here I was, wasn't paying attention. I was a boom, oh. I got out and I looked. It was a, it was a, it was a small, you know what I'm saying? A small dent, it wasn't, it wasn't. I didn't crash it or nothing. So like Moses, I looked to the right, and I looked to the left. It was before cell phones and cameras. And I got in my car, and I went home. You know I still think about that even now? I should pay for it. And and what's really even sad, you guys are looking at me like you've never done anything like that. What's really even sad is that is that the next day my coworker's like, "Ah, somebody hit my car last night." I'm like, "Really, man? That's sad. Bummer, dude." Where's your car? Oh, I walked to work today. <laughs> I walked to work because I didn't want you to see your blue paint on my bumper. Just me. You, you see what I'm saying? You, you see, my sin, our sin, is always before us. It's always before us. But I also thought about this, right? Right. So, so David marries Bathsheba. 
And so every morning he wakes up and he rubs his eyes. Who does he see? Bathsheba. His sin is always there. I wonder if she was a, a reminder of how he totally messed up. Now, I know he loved Bathsheba and he had children with her, but think about it for a minute. Think about it in the practical. He wakes up and he sees Bathsheba and he's like, you know, really, this should have been, that's Uriah's wife. My little boy died. I just wonder. I just wonder. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you so thankful that Jesus takes away our sin and he removes the guilt and he lives in our heart? Because we can confess those little sins that we did. We can confess those things and say, God, I am so sorry. Because there are some things that I did that is, my sin is always before me, but there's also some things that I'm like, oh, oh. Look at verse 4. This is key. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Guys, if you have a pencil handy, this is true repentance. This is power packed. Why? Here's what I need you to write down. All sin, all sin is against God. Even though it involves other people, all sin is against God. This is key. This is key. Why? Man, what a, what a, great, what a, what a great way for us to grow. Why? Because I think we need to confess both to God and to those that you sinned against. A lot of times when we sin and we sin against a brother, we sin against a sister, we'll go to God. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to. Well, go tell your brother. Well, he's all right. All sin is against God, though. And David catches this. David says, I get it. I, Uriah's in heaven with you. Bathsheba's here with me. I see them. I, they're in my memory, but the, really where the sin lies is, right? Where the sin lies. Why is that? Why is that? Well, think about, think about our study a few weeks back when we talked about the Ten Commandments, right? If you if you blow the first one, I mean think about it. If you if you if you break the law on any of the ten, you've broke the first one automatically. Why? Because you shall have no other gods before me. You if God is not ultimate, if He's not valued in your life, then it's easy for us to not honor our father and mother. It's not easy for us to lie or to murder. It's easy. And so again, we need to think about it. All sin is against God. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. My wife is this, this, and this, and therefore I'm doing this, this, and this. No, no, no. I'm sinning against God. I'm sinning against God. This is, this is, this is, David, David gets it. Against you. You only have eyes, and people go, no, 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 you sinned against, you sinned against Bathsheba, you sinned, I mean, come on. Well, well, listen, 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 Anna, Anna, listen, 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 Sarah, listen. 
she shouldn't have been home. Why was she taking a bath in the middle of the day? That's on her. She didn't have to come up to the palace, but she did. It's, it's against God. And as believers, we don't need to justify or try to justify. All we have to do is confess that. Say, I'm so sorry, Lord. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against my wife. I've sinned against my husband. I've sinned against my friend. I've sinned against my. I just. I need to come, and I need it. I just need to get. I just need to be clean. I just need to be set free. Because David goes on to say that you may be found when you speak, blameless when you judge. You guys know what he's saying. David says, you have all the facts. And I love what he says. Whatever you decide is fair. That's what he says. Whatever you decide is fair. Is that not a far cry from people today? What do people today say? Well, when we get caught in sin and the consequences are inevitable, we often yell at God, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Is it fair? If the speed limit is 55 and you're going down your street and you're doing 65 and one of Lubbock's finest pulls you over, right? You pull over, you see the lights. Woo! And, and you, oh, 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 oh. You hit the brake. Oh, oh. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, you know, this is 55, you're going 65. I'm going to have to write you a ticket. It's not fair. I was only going 10. No, you broke the law. You broke the law. Yeah, but you gave that other guy a warning. David says, listen, here are all the facts. Do what you think is right. Now, I'd rather fall on the mercy of God than in the hands of men. God. God. I love the fact, guys, that in, in confessing his sin, David recognized that he has sinned against God himself. He acknowledges God's right to judge him. While his sin may uh, have involved and harmed others, David is primarily concerned with his offense against God. Wait a minute, what did you just say? I want to learn from David. Because as much as I love people, I need to love God more. And I think many people are quick to go and run to the person and say, oh, I'm sorry, please. And, and, and again, it may not even be forgiveness. They may just say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But we forget that we've sinned against God. We've... Why is it important? Why is it important to run to God in confession? Why is it important? It's, it's important because, guys, what happens is you're still a believer. God still loves you very much. But what happens is the relationship is strained now. And we need to get the relationship right with God first. And then he can guide us. It's the same thing. It's the same thing when we sin against a brother or sister or wife or whatever it might be. It's the same thing. When we sin against them, the relationship's strained. Okay? I have sinned against my wife. I have been ugly to her. I have been mad at her. I've been angry against her. I've done, I mean, you guys understand. That's never stopped her from loving me. 
She doesn't sit here and go, well, you know what? You've been angry two times this week. We're done. But it's strained the relationship. You guys know we're not the same. We're not the same until, until we come to the place where we go, would you please forgive me? I'm sorry. It's a relation. It's again, think about it. So when we sin, we run to the arms of God. Restore that relationship. When that relationship with God is stored, restored, then what happens? Then I'm able to, I may, oh, my vertical is good. My vertical is good. Thank you, Lord. So now I'm going to fix my horizontal. I'm going to fix my horizontal. Okay, okay. Okay, please forgive me. Your response is, for what? You always ask, for what? Well, I saw you in your milk, I mean in your mail truck, and I threw eggs at you the other day. I don't know why. You know what I mean? Verse 5. Behold, he says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Now this is important, guys. Notice David makes no excuses, but recognize that iniquity has been in him since birth. In doing so, he doesn't condemn his mother or conception. Rather, he confesses the extent of his iniquity. So he says, he says, listen, here it is. Behold, I was born in Adam. It was in me. It was in me. And when my mother gave birth, there it was. There it was. There it was. And what we need to do, guys, is we need to grasp that it's not, it's not the acts of giving birth or conceiving are themselves sinful, but from that moment of conception, a person possesses a sinful nature. That's why we need to be born again. That's why we need to be born again. That's why we need the cross. I'm not going to have time to finish tonight, so let's, let's kind of end right here. We are going to see that later on David says, Created me a clean heart, O God. But, but the gist of what we talked about so far, guys, in closing, is sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin well, it ruins relationships. My relationship with Him. Sin keeps me from being honest. Sin will keep me from confession. Sin fractures everything. God's mercy is far greater 
than any sin you could do. That's why the gospel is so rich and it's so valuable. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Greek. Guys, think about what he just said. It has power, the gospel. Because we can come and we, we can confess. Not a lot of churches, not a lot of pastors, not a lot of people want to talk about sin. But it's something that we need to do. So here's what we're going to do. In the next few minutes, guys, maybe there's something that you've been dealing with that you need to do work with God with. You see, I'm not talking about going 25 in a 20 mile an hour zone. Oh, I, well, that, I said I, I broke the law. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about there are things in our lives, guys, that sometimes are life-dominating sins. There are things that we want to walk closer to God, but we, we've sort of hid them, sort of hid them. We, we haven't confessed them. Some of us, maybe in this room, some of us watching online, we, we might have a, a, a pet sin. You know what a pet sin is? It's a sin that's real small and, and it's not going to bother anything and nobody needs to know. And for some of us men or women in the room, maybe it's a couple of clicks, click, click, click. Ooh. Or it might be something else. But, it, but it's a sin. It's a sin. And what the Lord is telling you right now is we need to confess that. We need to kill that sin right now. We need to murder that sin because what it wants to do is it wants to grow up and it wants to kill you. That's what God says. And that's what we're here for on a Wednesday night. So as we worship, ask the Lord, Lord, what's keeping me from drawing closer to you? What am I holding on to so tight that I'm not able to, 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 to feel your presence anymore? What am I, what, what bitterness or, 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 or what's going on in my heart that I'm not, I'm not able to hear your voice, God? I, I know that I've sinned against you, Lord. And maybe for some of us, it's going to require a phone call. Hey, I dented your car. Sorry. Maybe you go, I can't call him, but maybe you need to write a letter. I'm so sorry. That's what, that's what the Lord wants from us tonight. He wants to do work in every one of our hearts. Now, we'll finish this next week. There, there's... It's 19 verses of, okay, Lord, David is so, so good. But, but tonight, we got 10 minutes. Can we pray? Can we just ask God, Lord, search our hearts. What's in there that doesn't need to be in there? Let me confess it to you like David did. Let me bring it to light. Let me honestly, in, in the purity, amen. And let the Lord do a work. Now, obviously, if you're watching online or you're here tonight and you're not saved, 
Like David said, what did David say, guys? David said, I, for I acknowledge my transgression. You know. You know if you're saved or not saved. You know that you haven't dealt with the sin. You haven't, you haven't dealt with it. You haven't come to Jesus. David can write that knowing Christ. Many people, even without Christ, know that. But I, I love that the fact that maybe tonight is the night for you to surrender your life to Jesus. That he's knocking on your heart and he's saying, today, today I want to be right with God. Because listen, without him, you're going to spend you're going to spend eternity in hell without God. And his mercies are trying to reach you even now and pull you to the place where you belong. You were created for more than what's going on in your life right now. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come humbly before you and ask that your Holy Spirit, your precious Spirit, O oh God, would fill this place. Only you can bring that beautiful conviction that we need. And for some here, Lord, it might be It might be something that we've just we've just hid in the in the deepest recesses of our heart. And Lord, we gotta confess it to you. Lord, for others it might be you might you might be here and and, and, and maybe watching online and you're saying, Hey, I don't have a relationship with God. I I'm guilty. I don't know what to do with the things that I've done in my life. And the Lord is asking you, he's asking you right now to, to surrender your life to him. So as the worship team leads us in these next songs, song, songs, let's just do some work. Let's just, let's just, let's just confess it to him, guys. If you need prayer, though, if you need prayer, and come up and see me. I'm going to be I'm going to be right here on on the pulpit, sitting down. Well, right here on the platform. But if you need prayer, say, man, just let's just let's just pray and cry out to God together. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at CalvaryChapelLubbock.Church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.